Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season four, episode four. Today, we're talking to Nona Jones, who is an executive at Facebook. And we're going to be talking about social leadership. That is how we can lead on social media platforms. So I'm excited to bring that to you today. Today, I'm talking to you from my cottage, my family uh, little rustic cottage by the lake and uh, been working up here for the last little while. I love that technology allows me to bring my work with me wherever I may go. And I'm so grateful um, for this place. I hope uh, you are able to also get outside, uh, breathe in some of that warm summer air that we are having if you are in the Northern Hemisphere. Hey, thanks so much. Also, of course, to my sponsors and partners on this podcast, you know, in the midst of so much going on in the world, these are both organizations compatible and Wycliffe College that are doing something about it. With Compassion, I think specifically of COVID-19 and the global pandemic, your gift to Compassion's Disaster Relief Fund, they can help vulnerable children and families survive this crisis. Think about what it would be like to go through a global pandemic when you don't even have basic access to things like food and hygiene supplies or even housing security if you've lost your work or you're unable to go to work because of the pandemic. Join a global movement. You too can join this movement helping to protect the most vulnerable people. Big donation, small donation, whatever you can give to partner with the local church who has been there, who is there right now, and who will be there after the pandemic is over to help people with immediate relief to the most vulnerable among us in the global community. So go to compassion.ca slash COVID today to give or see how you might be able to get involved. Wycliffe College as well is an amazing sponsor of this podcast and the school that I went to for my own master's in theology. Wycliffe College is an evangelical graduate school of theology at the University of Toronto, but no matter where you are in the world, they offer courses online. They did that before the pandemic prevented classes in person, but they also um, you know, are offering that right now. In fact, I am part of teaching a course right now in church and technology. We're having so much interesting and rich conversation online about what it looks like to wrestle through the theology and implications of church in this digital world that we live in. So we're um, really enjoying that conversation, but there's all kinds of things you can learn if you want to grow in your leadership or your discipleship. Check out wickliffcollegeca slash digital. You can see a little interview there about why I went to the school, um, but also you can browse around and check out what they offer and see if anything is right for you. All right, we're jumping into the conversation with Nona Jones, the head of global faith-based partnerships at Facebook. She's an African-American woman, and she really defied the statistics and the story, the trajectory of where her life was going. Why? Because a friend invited her to church when she was a teenager. Uh, changed the direction of her life, quite literally saved her life at that point. She's going to tell us a little bit about that, but then why she cares so much about social leadership. That is being a leader on social media platforms, reaching out to people, connecting in a meaningful way like you actually care about people online. That's what we're going to be talking about today in the conversation. Now, we recorded this conversation um, before, uh, you know, all the stuff about anti-racism came out. So it's not an issue that we address in this podcast, but I think you'll hear in her story and her heart for people so much that can be applied to all kinds of issues, all kinds of things that are concerning us and weighing heavy on our hearts today all around the world. So here's my conversation with Nona Jones. Welcome to the Word Made Digital Podcast with Joanna LaFleur. 
You're listening to Season 4, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Jones, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm so glad to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a pleasure. Uh, we, um, you and I met, um, well, we've met on the internet, but as you meet most people these days, but but we met um, where I got a chance to hear you speak at a Global Leadership Network event, and I was like, I got to get this woman on the podcast, so I'm so <laughs> glad to have you. <laughs> yeah, no, this is my joy. Thanks for having me. Now, so before we dive in, obviously, we're in the world right now. This is an unprecedented time. Digital content, social media, all this stuff is is um, uh, the, the the world has instantly changed and starting to do things that we've been talking about for a long time. Yeah. But before we go into that, before we go any further, can you just give a brief sort who are you? Can you introduce yourself to everyone? Who doesn't know you? Sure. Yeah. So um, I, I wear a number of hats, um, one of which is, and I think most relevant to our conversation, I lead the faith-based partnerships work for Facebook, which means I have both an externally and internally facing role. I work with uh, ministries, denominations, um, local faith institutions all around the world to help them leverage Facebook for ministry um, as opposed to just for marketing, which is the typical uh, use that most um, entities use Facebook for. Um, I think my kind of lens on the work that I do is informed by the fact that I'm also a, um, I help uh, pastor a local church with my husband uh, here in Florida, which is where I'm at right now. Um, And because of that, uh, the work that I do at Facebook is very much so informed by the way that um, that we function as ministry leaders, uh, I'm also, as you mentioned, I'm an I'm an author. I have uh, two little boys who are home from school for the next month at least, and uh, just like everyone else, I'm trying to navigate this new world that we're in. Um, but I'm grateful for the tools that technology provides to help us navigate it. Yeah, well, and and let's start there. I mean, you have you have kids at home right now. You're trying to probably wear you you already wear a lot of hats, but um, have you become a homeschooling parent all of a sudden? <laughs> so I'm not homeschooling just yet, um, but I have done my own share of searches for um, uh, resources <laughs> for educational resources. Thankfully, yeah. uh, my my children's school is such a it's such a great school. They've they've already provided some um, information on things that we can do. But you know, I mean, I I'm frankly I'm I'm in meetings literally 10 hours a day, like every 30 minutes for 10 straight hours, I'm in another meeting. And so unfortunately that means that I can't necessarily do the homeschooling that I would like to do. Uh, but we'll see, you know, as time progresses and my schedule gets a little less crazy, maybe, maybe I'll be able to. Yeah. Well, and just because I'm, we're on the topic for a moment, what is Facebook doing about that? Or if anything, I mean, are there resources that Facebook uses? Maybe you know anything. <laughs> is there anything that people can point to as as parents at home? Are there educational tools that schools are leveraging right now? Yeah, so this is a great question. Um, we have an entire team that's dedicated to uh, education um, at Facebook. And uh, so what I would recommend is parents 
feel free to visit. Uh, the site is facebook.com backslash education um, because there are some resources there. We have a number of programs that you might want to uh, take a look at relative to coding and computer science. Uh, and we also just recently released a new toolkit called Schools Out. Uh, and it's going to enable not just parents, but educators by and large on how to use technology to ensure your children's um, education is still moving moving forward. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, there's so many tools that Facebook has that we haven't had to use before, or I should say that the general public hasn't thought about. Um, there's sort of niche niche group niche groups that have um, had to had, had to utilize it. But now yeah. the whole world is asking, what could we do? about this and you know Facebook's in that. So let's talk about Facebook. You know, we're at this COVID-19 coronavirus has in a short period of time really changed how we're operating in the yeah. world. Um, um, you know, not the whole world, but it feels like the whole world has changed. And um, so what are you seeing right now? I mean, you say you're in conversations all day long. You're, you're constantly in meetings. I mean, just before we go into some specifics, just overall, what are you seeing happening right now <laughs> in the world of digital and, you know, pick up on Facebook? Yeah, well, there's there's a tremendous amount of um, anxiety uh, since I've been in this role. Um, one of the things that was really important to me when I first stepped into it almost three years ago was trying to help leaders um, really imagine what church could be if it was not something that happened within a building. And I gotta be honest, um, when I first started doing this work, there were so many, so many pastors who were like, what do you mean church not in a building? Like that's how church happens. And so I think right now we're in a situation to where people are really having to reimagine what what church is, you know, um, and and if you could not gather together, what would that look like? So, uh, a few things that, that uh, I am doing that I'm 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 leading my team and and others to do is one um, is just equip equip people on how do you use Facebook for ministry? You know, what are the different tools? What are the different surfaces? Whether it's pages, groups, uh, live, uh, how do you use these things um, to actually minister to people's hearts? And that's very different than using them to invite people to your service, you know, and, yes. and that's, that's really the, the shift that I'm trying to help people make. Um, we've done a number of uh, webinars and trainings with very large organizations that are serving pastors to try to get them up to speed on what's possible. Um, and we're also going to be standing up within the next day or so a, uh, a landing page where people can go to get some information uh, relative to how to use Facebook for ministry. It's going to be at facebook.com backslash community backslash faith. And so uh, I would encourage people to visit that because that's also going to be a great, uh, great treasure trove of resources. Yeah, and that's interesting. I love that you go right to the some of some of the real emotional or relational connections. I mean, of course, that um, for those of us who aren't going to get incredibly sick from from this terrible illness of Corona, uh, you know, there's the mental health stuff is so huge. Um, and, you know, what are what are some things that you would suggest to people when I'm thinking about this anxiety and fear and isolation, you know, in up until now, we would say less time on your screens is better for mental health. But now uh, we can't as easily go and access real human connection. So how how would you suggest people navigate that on social? 
Yeah, this is a, a great question. Um, I think for so long we have been told, you know, limit your screen time, you know, really try to connect with people who are right in front of you. And I think that that still has relevance. I mean, many of us, we are home with our children and our spouse and people who in many instances were sometimes too busy to notice, you know, and now we are actually in a situation where we're kind of forced to, to share the same space. So the first thing I would say is you want to try to reconnect with, with your family unit in a substantive way. And then I think beyond that, one of the things that has been really positive that we've seen on our platform is a lot of people have just found groups, you know, spaces where they can go and uh, connect with people who have shared interests and uh, people who have, you know, shared even concerns and just are looking for a place where uh, support can happen. And so it's, again, it's getting beyond the traditional use of uh, technology for, you know, passive consumption of content to trying to use it to build community and, and right. build relationships um, with other people. Right. I um, I love what you said. It struck me I, I, at the time I remember saying to you, I've never heard this phrase before. And I loved it so much when you spoke at uh, GLS Next event uh, in February, you said you used the word social leadership or that yeah. phrase. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about that in regards to this, you know, this idea of not just um, scroll, endless, mindless scrolling on the Internet, but really leading the way in social media? Yeah. Um, so when we think about social media, that really is it's a tool, you know, but what's interesting about social media is it's a tool where we essentially amass a following. So whether it's friends or family, whether it's sometimes people we don't even know, uh, we amass this following of people. And what I try to remind people is if there's even one person following you, whether it's in the digital space or in real life, that essentially makes you a leader. You are someone who that person is looking to for guidance, for instruction, for inspiration. There's there's so many things that they're looking at you for that it becomes an opportunity to lead people. And so that's really where that concept of social leadership came from is recognizing that uh, at the end of the day, all leadership is, is, is having a following. And if you have a following in a digital space, that then uh, is, is truly affording you the privilege of leading people. So I think we have to be uh, just really good stewards of that um, influence and that responsibility, especially in a time like this where, you know, it's very easy to share a post that is about, oh, my goodness, there's, you know, more cases of coronavirus or, oh, my goodness, you know, there's more people that have died. And what that does is that just it stokes the, the flame of fear and anxiety yeah. and worry. Uh, whereas those of us who have um, adopted a posture of leadership, we really have the opportunity to actually provide calm as well as hope, you know, to say instead of necessarily, you know, sharing that post, maybe we share a post that points people to to God, that actually invites them to pray, that uh, perhaps equips them with tips on how to stay healthy. Um, that's truly, I think, what social leadership is all about. Right. Well, and you talk about... Um um, the questions, I remember you talking about the, the the questions behind what people are looking for in leaders on the internet about like as simple as do you care about me? Um, and so what are the ways we can show, you know, in those one to one relationships? What are some things? Because a lot of people, uh, it's hard to know if they actually care about anyone. They're posting for them. It's not, you know, the people who feels like they're posting for themselves or posting to make a statement. But but if you're leading on social, how can you let people know that you care about them individually? 
Well, I think it's it's about intentionality. Um, we have to, just as we would carve out time for a meeting or we would carve out time for an errand, I think we have to carve out time to intentionally connect with people. Um, and one of the things that I try to be mindful of is you'll notice that as you kind of scroll through your newsfeed, there will be posts from people who will say things like, oh my gosh, you know, this is just so overwhelming or, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I haven't heard from, you know, my, my nephew, or you'll still see people make posts that uh, point to some anxiety. And I think that becomes a signal. It becomes an opportunity for us to get involved, to be, and it's so easy to just, you know, like something or do the little heart or maybe even do the little laugh. But instead of that, just, uh, you know, a statement, you know, how can I pray for you? Or, hey, uh, you know, would it be okay if I message you? And and just digging into those relationships at a deeper level rather than just letting those things fly by you. Um, I read a study not too long ago that said the uh, average human attention span at this point is three seconds. And that's just... (laughs) That's incredible. But part of the reason for that is because we're used to just kind of scrolling. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we have to stop the scroll and really start to see each other and see uh, what's on people's minds and on people's hearts and then um, use that as an opportunity for ministry. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, in a sh- so in the short attention spans, what are you seeing some churches do? Obviously, a lot of people went on social, like they've gone live stream for church services or or in other faith-based groups. You know, there's mosques and there's temples. Or every, everybody's trying to figure out how to do social. A lot of them are using Facebook. There's other platforms, of course, people are choosing to use. But um, in regards to attention span, do you have any thoughts or what are you seeing uh, as best practices for taking a service, a, tr- a traditional service that might be an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, and making that work online. Sure. Yeah. Well, we're seeing a lot of creativity and this is, this is the thing that's been kind of fun. Um, the cool thing about when you're online is that you're not limited to time and space. You're not limited to location. And so, uh, you can do some really fun things. So I've seen people, um, use, you know, zoom as an example, zoom has an integration with Facebook so that you can, you know, invite other people uh, onto your live stream and actually have conversations. Um, It doesn't have to just be you kind of standing there with a Bible uh, preaching. You can actually have a conversation, which has been nice. Um, And I think people have also done a really great job of incorporating, you know, worship into into the live streams. Uh, Something that my husband and I are also excited about doing is uh, we've always had a Facebook group for our church, but using that as a place for our Bible studies, um, you know, using that as a place to actually have conversations and check in on each other. Um, and so you get out of the, the, the thinking that, you know, the only way we can function as a church is if we're coming together in person to how do we now translate what we've done in person to these, uh, these tools. And so I think YouTube is also a fantastic resource, um, which a lot of people are using and kind of uploading content there, but I think it gets beyond the content to build in community. And that's where things like Facebook can become really helpful because you're able to build your group, your space where people can actually yeah. get to know each other in a deeper way. So the a classic question, and I love that, that, you know, this, this faith on Facebook toolkit, that's just, I'm going to link this of course, in the show notes, everyone's got to see this, this content that's just come out. There's all kind of resources that your team's created, but can you talk to us then in regards to that, the difference between the page and the group? 
Because I think that's something that some people get quite confused about. What If I have a page, why do I need a group? Such a great question. So the way that I like to explain it is by think of your, think of your Facebook presence like it's a house. Uh, your page is really your front porch. So that's the place that people can come up to. They can you know, learn about you. They can learn what you're up to. Uh, it's, it's basically the, the front facing, uh, externally facing facade of your house. Um, but then, you know, you, you have a group which is really like your living room. It's the place that people can come inside, get to know you, you get to know them, and then the people can get to know each other, which becomes uh, really awesome. And in between your uh, front porch and your living room is a door. And that's really what Facebook Live is. Facebook Live is basically you opening the door, which is why um, one of the things I've, I've counseled churches and other ministries to do is uh, to link a group, a Facebook group to their page, because when you go live on your page, you'll be able to uh, enable a group on your Facebook Live. So people will be able to join your group as they watch your live stream. And then you'll be able to have conversations after the live stream ends. Right, right. And um, of course, in groups we're seeing, I know you and I are both connected into the group Church Communications, which is something like 25,000 church communications people, the people interested in the conversation we're having today, you know, who are serving in their local churches and communities, whether as a, a novice or an expert, you know, across be across the world. Um, and we're sharing ideas and we're helping one another and building even just some friendships. If you're the only one in your organization doing the job, it's nice to find some people to commiserate with on the internet. <laughs> it the really power. is. <laughs> yeah. It's the power of these groups. Um, 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 before I want to, I want to get into your own story, um, as we turn the call, but the last thing around, as we talk about, um, things I've heard you say other places I'd love if you could share with us here. Um, content is king, engagement is emperor. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, a couple of years ago, right, at, right around the time that I joined Facebook, actually, um, it was decided to change the algorithm such that content that was uh, shared on pages would not get as much distribution as it had gotten before. And the reason for that was uh, we were just getting a lot of complaints from people who said, you know, they were seeing a lot of adver advertisements, just a lot of not uh, very relevant content in their news feeds. And they wanted to see more content from their friends and their family. So um, distribution was turned down on pages and um, the way the algorithm was retweaked was uh, that uh, distribution would be a function of engagement. So uh, if you make a post and somebody likes it, comments, tags somebody in it, shares it, that essentially signals to the algorithm that, oh, this might be something people want to see because people are engaging with it. Uh, and similarly, um, the algorithm prioritizes Facebook groups over pages because the entire purpose of groups is for conversation and engagement. And so with that in mind, uh, that's why I have really been trying to get people to understand that, yes, it used to be that content was king. You know, you had to, you know, post frequently. There had to be a lot of content out there. But now it's not just about how often you uh, are posting. It's, a, it's really a factor of, you know, how often are people engaging with your posts? How mm -hmm. engaging are your posts? Um, and so that's the bigger, the bigger performance metric now. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, what you're basically saying is if people aren't 
using Facebook for groups, they're missing the main place where they can have meaningful, connected engagement and lead people every day, but also in these like times of crisis that we're in right now. So absolutely. people should start groups today. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's such a it's such a great, uh, great resource. And I think it's, it's underutilized. Thankfully though, I do believe that it's, uh, it's getting, it's getting more, um, more interest from people. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, I've seen the power of it in my own communities and, um, you know, one of the things, for example, that, that I recommend to churches and we've done in my own churches, every site of the church or every campus, whichever you call it, has its own group. Mm -hmm. And so that allows for, or allows for just communication, but it also allows for some organic things to happen. So one of the things, for example, is, uh, you know, we have, it's a church of thousands, but then each site is, you know, hundreds, or maybe there's a few thousand at one site, but some, some of the sites are quite small. And so a guy will go on there and say, Hey guys, I've booked a table of 10 at the local pub for a wing night and football, you know, let me know if you want to join and we'll put you on the list, you know? And so this isn't the leadership top down having to organize and they wouldn't (laughs) have time Mm -hmm. to organize, you know, the guys getting together for wings, but what it's allowed is a space that hasn't existed before for the local community to, to be empowered, to connect with one another in a really meaningful way, whether online or, you know, in, in, you know, in the days that we can do it, you know, in person, and it and it really takes the power and lets others become leaders um, by disseminating that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to talk about you um, <laughs> um, because I mean, did you ever think this is what you'd be doing with your life? I, let's talk oh, about your story at all. and and then eventually I want to land uh, to talking about the book that you've most recently written about your story. It's so inspiring. Tell us, uh, did you ever think this would be your life? No, definitely not. Um, for those who aren't familiar with my story, um, I I actually grew up in a situation where I was um, I was a victim of childhood physical and sexual abuse for the majority of my childhood, and um, as a result of the dysfunction and the abuse and the just the feelings of hopelessness, I um, I tried to end my life um, when I was nine and eleven. And I have two little boys who were seven and ten, and I just I can't imagine. Uh, that just, you know, them thinking that life wasn't worth living, but that's the, um, that's the state I was in mentally. I did not grow up in a Christian home. And so the concepts of God, heaven, church, Bible, none of that, um, existed for me. So I, I didn't really have a sense of purpose or hope. And, um, you know, as I reflect on that now, um, where I'm, where I'm sitting at in this role that I'm in and the life that I have, uh, I just see the the grace of God just so evident on my life. I mean, even when I didn't feel like I had any reason to live, I mean, he quite literally blocked my attempts to end my life. Wow. Um, so I, I owe my life to him. Um, and that's part of the reason why, I mean, that's honestly the full reason why I am so open about my faith and everything that I do, because um, if it had not been for the Lord, um, I would not be here. Um, very, wow. very... Seriously. And so I'm truly uh, not ashamed of the gospel and I'm just grateful um, for God in my life. Yeah. Well, and how did that happen? I mean, this is the days before digital. Someone wasn't inviting you on the DMs on Instagram to 
to to come to church. So how what was that personal who was the person who cared for you or um, the group of people that brought you into that? That's a great, great question. So um, you, you mean it brought me into church? Yeah. Yeah. And to yeah, introduce so, you to Jesus in some way. Yeah. I, um, hmm. so in the sixth grade, when I was about 11 years old, um, I had a classmate who actually invited me to church and I had never heard of church before. So my assumption was that we were just going to go, you know, play or, or do something else. I, I didn't know what we were going to do, but, um, I remember the first time I walked into the building, um, I just felt so loved and so wanted. And I think that really became the turning point for me because suddenly I, I had a sense um, of belonging, which I had not had. And then the very first sermon that I ever heard preached, the pastor said that God is a father to the fatherless. And I had lost my father um, just a couple of months before my second birthday. And there were so many nights that I would cry myself to sleep just wishing my father was alive and thinking that if he had lived, uh, then uh, the things that had happened to me would not have happened. Um, and so when I heard that message, it really, I think, kind of sparked an interest in God in my life. And uh, that became, for me, uh, that just became a, a, a trajectory changer. I mean, I, I really, truly believe that if it had not been for my sixth grade classmate, I mean, she was 11, just like me, inviting me to church. Um, I, I don't believe I would be here today. And so that's that's what changed my entire life. Wow. Wow. And yeah, I love that, that like, it's just a friend to a friend giving an invitation to open up a world to you that you had no idea about. Um, Absolutely. It's so... It's so easy, I think, for us to forget in if we come in a, come from a very Christian area of the country, or um, we just have grown up with a lot of Christian people around us. That there are people who are just our neighbors right down the road, or you know, a few, you know, all our friends on social media or whatever that they just don't even know. <laughs> yeah, they don't even they don't even know they they may think maybe they think they know, but they really don't know. I mean, we're we're becoming more and more post Christian. People don't know about the love of this Father in heaven, yeah. you know, our heavenly Father. Um, yeah, you know, such a. No, that's that's actually why I like I try to be really open with my faith because I do believe that there are so many people um, who just have no idea the the peace and the, the joy that is that is found in a relationship with Jesus. And so I, I believe that we have to be the ambassadors for that message because otherwise, you know, how else will they get it? Yeah, well, and I think a lot of people are nervous, like, oh, nobody wants to hear about this or, you know, you feel awkward or you don't have all the answers, you know, right. about people's science questions or, um, but, but, you know, I, I would imagine your sixth grade friend didn't either. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. No, I'm, I'm sure. Not at all. <laughs> um, I mean, and, and you spend, you've spent your career, you know, um, much of your career moving in and out of faith-based places, but, but how do you, do you, how would you, you know, there's a lot of people listening who who don't work in church environments, Christian environments. So what would you say to them about how to communicate about their faith or what's been your experience of how do you approach that in in mixed environments? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's that's basically the, the, the life that I've, I've lived. I mean, you know, yes, I'm a 
local pastor with my husband, but at the same time, um, you know, I've, I've really lived my life in the, in the public or private sector. And so my faith is not something that I, I just kind of, you know, keep tucked away in the weekend, you know, it's, it's, it's who I am. And I think that's the key is our faith is our identity. And so there are times when people will be stressed, uh, even in my own, you know, sphere of work, uh, they'll be stressed, they'll be frustrated. Um, and then, um, I'll be able to really speak to the fact that, you know, Hey, yeah, there's a lot going on, but you know, my mind is, is clear. My heart is clear. And, and many times just providing that example is enough to people to make them think like, man, well, what, what does Nona have going on that is allowing her to weather this in such a different way? I'm yeah. also very open about uh, my past and uh, the, the, the place that God has brought me from, because I believe that uh, my testimony is the greatest witnessing tool. And I would, I would also share that with others is, you know, if God has brought you from something, our first inclination is sometimes to hide that. To, to, we don't want people to know because we don't want them to think differently about us. Uh, but uh, I believe that it's it's really a powerful chance for people to think differently about you because, wow, look at where you are today. And if they only knew what you had been through and what God had brought you from, um, that would be a testimony to the power of God. So I think it's it's really about living out your faith um, as you see colleagues who are going through personal challenges, just, you know, offering to pray, offering a word of encouragement. I tell people that I'm praying for them, you know, whether they believe in God or not, because God believes in them. So <laughs> that just ends up being a, a good conversation point. Yeah. I love, whether you believe in God, he believes in you. I love that. Yeah. So you, you've written this book um, recently called Success from the Inside Out. Why, why now for the book? Um, I mean, you have a thousand other things going on. Um, why was this the time you had to get this out into the world? Yeah, this is a, this is a great question because I actually did not plan on releasing a book. Um, I was actually, I was speaking at a conference and I told a friend of mine what the topic was for the conference. Um, it was a women's conference. It was really designed to help women, um, at the intersection of faith and, uh, their professional lives. And so I told him that I was going to talk about my story and I was going to also share some insights that I've had uh, being a businesswoman and, and what that looks like. And he said to me, he said, you should write that in a book and you should make it available at the conference. And I was like, uh, you really think people would buy it? And he said, yeah. And so uh, not too long before the conference, uh, I had finished the manuscript. I just took a couple months, wrote it out. Uh, but not too long before the conference, um, my publisher just reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we've uh, we've heard your name. We've we've you know seen your um, picture in a few different places. Like, do you happen to have a manuscript that you would like us to take a look at? And that was just so just serendipitous. Um, but that's quite literally how it all came about. Um, I was wow. not shopping the manuscript around. I didn't have a book agent. Um, it just all kind of ballooned out of out of that moment. Yeah. And do you write the book? Um, is it, a, is it a book for Christians or is it a book for, um, I guess, how, how do you, how do you talk in the book sort of, a to a secular audience or a faith audience? Yeah, this is, this is great. So, um, the book is not written to any particular audience. The book is simply my story. It's my story of how, uh, I was able to build a success that leaves me filled and fulfilled, um, versus a success that leaves uh, us empty. 
And um, in the book, I talk about my story and I talk about uh, my faith journey. And then I provide insights into how to create a successful life yourself, especially if you're a person who has experienced trauma. Um, and you're a person who, because of the trauma, has felt like you were inadequate or you were somehow defective or deficient. Um, how do you build the spiritual and emotional, psychological and mental fortitude uh, to know who you are so that you can actually experience a fulfilling life? Um, I have heard from people across the spectrum. I've heard from people who don't believe in God, who have said the book was a blessing to them. I've heard from people who are very strong Christians who have said the book was a blessing. I've heard from people who are Muslim who have said the book was a blessing. Um, I do talk about my own faith journey and I, I use the Bible as um, the foundation for that. Um, but the way that I've written the book is such that I think people of any faith, any socioeconomic status, um, any ethnicity, uh, can identify with the story. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and I love that because you will be able to connect with more people. The truth will right. get to more people if they have their back up on the, uh, the preachy over. I mean, we can't help but pre, you, as you say, you can't help but tell people good news, but, right. but doing it in a way that, that, uh, builds trust with your audience. Yep. So I just had two more questions for you. The, the one that I'm thinking about for people listening who are, um, you know, I think of the entrepreneurs, the hustlers, the digital creative type people. And we're in a time right now where a lot of people have lost work. Um, so on one hand, do you have an encouragement for them? Um, but also, do you have any practical things like where, you know, you know, if we're all pivoting, we have to make some changes. Where are some suggestions you would say to people they should turn to uh, as places of growth right now in in the industry that they could, you know, that they could serve people and and potentially pivot their business? Yeah. Well, let me first um, just say to to the business business owners, even people who are uh, employed outside of your own uh, business, I know this is a, a time of uncertainty. It's also a time of a lot of a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety. Um, but I, I want to encourage you because you know those of us who uh, know Jesus, those of us who have a relationship with God, we know that Romans eight twenty eight is is God's promise to us that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And so I, I want to encourage people to just not. Um, given to fear. As a matter of fact, Philippians 4, uh, verse 6, it tells us, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is the time for us that are believers, um, thus us who really know Jesus as Lord, this is the time for us to put his promise into action. And there's three components to that promise. One, uh, it's it's not not being anxious, but it's praying, it's supplication, and it's thanksgiving. So we have to make sure that we're starting our day uh, with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving throughout the day. We're praying, we're uh, providing supplication, which is requests, and then uh, we're giving thanks to God. We're doing it throughout the day so we can guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I think that that is how we are able to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world that we've been called to be. Um, when people look at us and see us worried, then they know, oh my gosh, this is the time to really worry because if the people who know God are worried, then man, something must be really wrong. Um, so it's our time to really be salt and light 
but we have to be that to each other also. And so I would encourage uh, encourage you to just reach out to to other you know Christian business owners um, and let's support each other. You know, let's find a way to support each other through this uh, while not just speaking life, but also tangibly. If you have financial resources uh, that you can support, do it because this is the time for us to to really rise up uh, and show the world what it what it can look like when a community of believers um, truly puts our faith in action. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It it is really, I think, an opportunity for us to shine, and and particularly with with this generosity, as you're yeah. sort of speaking to, you know, how can we be generous with encouragement, but generous even just with our expertise? Yeah. You know, there there is a need for people to make money, and there's also um, a need for us to be incredibly generous yeah. in a time where people are struggling, um, not to be opportunistic about it. Um, but to to really try and serve, how can we help people? How can we help people? Sure. Um, so my my last big question for you is is around legacy. You know, sure. what are you? What I mean, um, you know, what are you trying to make your? In the end, what do you want to be known for? What do you pray that um, your life would be about? Mm. Great, great, great question. Um, I really want my life to be a source of hope and healing for others. Um, I want people to be able to look at, look at me and see what can happen when we fully surrender our will to the Holy Spirit's control. Um, that could mean forgiving our offenders. That could mean, um, you know, choosing to not, uh, you know, do that thing that we wanted to do because we're yielding to the voice of God telling us not to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really try to live my life in such a way that it's aligned with, with the will of God. And so I'm hoping, uh, through my work, I also just, uh, launched a, a leadership Academy. I'm hoping oh, that yeah. through launching that leadership Academy and the people who are going to be in it, um, that I'll be able to build, uh, build that legacy, um, equipping people to, to heal and to also help others heal. Yeah. Beautiful. Nona, it's a, it's a delight. You're smart, you're experienced, and you have a passion for God that, that pours out in everything that you do. I appreciate you. We uh, appreciate you in this, in this digital space. If people want to find you on the internets, where, where, where's the best place to send them? So I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. My handle across all is at Nona, not Nora. And you can also also visit my website, which is just nonajones.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much, Nona Jones. I love that conversation with her. If you haven't followed her yet or found her on social, go find her. Go check out some of her preaching, some of her teaching. Uh, you will you will love it. You want to get more of her. Next up on the podcast, we have Gabriel Finocchio. He's coming to us. Gabe is talking to us about Theos U. He, Gabe and his brother Nathan Finocchio started Theos U, and they're calling it a Netflix of theology. It's video courses that are available at an affordable price where you can learn and grow in theology in these um, condensed online video-based learning kinds of ways. They have really fun names for their courses, things like Defense Against the Dark Arts, which I love personally. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you would love that too. 
the Finocchio brothers, they've been involved in, um, you know, Hillsong Church, Vertical Worship and Harvest Church. They've led theological training programs in America, Canada and around the world. And they had a band. Maybe you remember the band called the Royal Royal. They were uh, the guys who did that band. So they're an entertaining follow on Instagram. They've got this whole new thing about digital online theology training called Theosu. And we're going to be talking to them about that on next week's episode. So thanks again to the partners and sponsors who make this all possible. Thanks to Compassion, who are at compassion.ca slash COVID-19, sorry, compassion.ca slash COVID are creating a space for you to get involved and give to all things to do with the pandemic. They're delivering much needed food and medical care and support during this COVID-19 crisis. And we want you to get involved. And of course, Wycliffe College dossier slash Word Made Digital is where you can check out all things Wycliffe College. If you want to grow, if you want to learn, and if you want to get uh, even a degree, I encourage you to go to wickliffecollege.ca. Everyone, we'll see you next week as we talk to Gabe Finocchio all about online learning with Theosu. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode, rate it, and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.